the Fade the Noise podcast with Brad Evans and Nate Lundy. Place your bets. Brad the Big Noise Evans here, joined by the good sir, Nathaniel Lundy. This is the Fade the Noise podcast. And let these slushy drinks flow as action is going to tip off on Saturday in the Final Four in New Orleans. And, and Lundy, uh, perusing the legal sports books across this country, there are a lot of creative tournament specials, including one at our buddies DraftKings. And I want to get your opinion on this one. Total three-pointers made. Uh, it is set at over or under 45.5. That includes both Final Four games and the national title game. It is minus 115 in either direction. Now, uh, I did some digging. Uh, I did some uh, deep diving research. And on the season, here's what all four Final Four participants are averaging in three-point makes per contest. Villanova set the pace at 9.2. North Carolina at 8.5. Duke at 8. And Kansas at 7. Yep. Pile all those up, and it definitely exceeds, especially with the bonus game and the national title, this 45-and-a-half line. But, again, that's the entirety of the season. That includes the non-conference slate in which they were bombarding and blitzing a bunch of patsies. And, two, defensively, all these teams have shifted into another gear, especially North Carolina, uh, who has been top five in adjusted offensive efficiency since the middle of February. So, giving the unknowns, because we don't know who's going to play the national title game, more likely it's going to be Duke-Kansas, uh, given the fact that this competition is very stiff, I'm leaning under here, man, on this 45-and-a-half makes. As we've seen, Duke has been terribly inconsistent at times this season from outside. You and I both believe that Kansas-Villanova is going to be maybe a mid-50s in terms of total possession game. Now, Duke of Carolina is going to be it's going to be a breakneck pace, Indy car speed. Uh, but in the end, I don't see 46 triples falling through the cylinder. So, fade or follow, my man. Total three-pointers made under 45-and-a-half in the Final Four games and the national title, minus 115 at DK. I like this. Nice uh, nice digging. And I yeah. like the fact that you actually went and like did some some research on how many threes they're making. I, I like the under in this. I, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see a lot of insane outside shooting. Um, you know, you talk about the pace of, of North Carolina and Duke, but at the same time, I don't know that Duke's going to make them um, to be able to push this total up and over. If anything, coming out of Saturday night, we're going to have a pretty good feel, I think, on whether or not this thing's going to hit. Because if that UNC-Duke game all of a sudden gets a little crazy and they start popping them from outside, then you might have to sweat out on Monday night's championship the total on that 45-and-a-half. But we're going to know by Saturday night um, be- because I don't I don't think we're going to see a ton between Villanova and Kansas. It's all going to yeah. come down to that second game of the night on Saturday. Yeah, Duke is shooting 39.1% from downtown in this NCAA tournament. But you look at Carolina, yeah, they're shooting over 35% from distance, but they're only giving up 26.5% along the yep. arc in this postseason. So... We'll see, uh, but yeah, be, I mean, that's going to be one of the keys to that game, Brad. That outside shooting because oh, it absolutely. is it's Duke can do it, but North Carolina can defend it. Like something's yeah. got to give. Yeah, well, I think the length and athleticism of Carolina people are underestimating, and you know they had a tremendous amount of success in uh, Coach K's final bow inside Cameron Indoor. Now, I, you know, Duke is plenty motivated to exact their revenge 
uh, after that disappointment on national TV in front of Jerry Seinfeld, no less. So they got to feel vindicated in some way for Coach K, and, and I think that's what they're going to try to achieve. So still, I like the under here on 45 and a half combined threes uh, this weekend and on Monday in the Final Four and the national title game. With that, on this hashtag tequila Thursday, bartender, bartender, pour us another edition of the Fade Five. Number five. All right, Lundy, let's drop the puck and make some bucks in the National Hockey League. Uh, let's slap shot one into the old net. Uh, what do you like tonight? How'd you do yesterday, my friend? And are, are you feeling warm and fuzzy uh, that you're about to start and maybe another heater? I, you know, I hope so, because we went on a few days where we were rocking it with hockey, had some people uh, uh, graciously thanking me on yeah. social media. I always appreciate that. Uh, yesterday was a little bit of a mixed bag. We had a couple of games that kind of went sideways from what I expected, but that happens every now and then here, especially as we're coming into the final month of the season for the NHL. But there's one jumping out at me tonight. I've got a couple more in bonus time for you, including oh, oh, a four-legger, uh, but for this particular one, the Bruins, Boston, at home um, right now this evening against uh, New Jersey, the Devils, who have been all but eliminated. Like, they don't have that magic E next to them in the standings, but they're damn close, okay? Um, Boston's played New Jersey twice this year. They won 5-3 to three and 5-2 to two if you go back. Uh, Jersey has lost five out of their last seven, and three of those have been by multi-goals. So we are going to take Boston, my friend, but we are going to take them on the puck line so that we can bring that number down because they're heavy favorites. But if I take them on the puck line, minus one and a half at home uh, against the Devils who are uh, not uh, playing very well right now, <laughs> I take Boston at a minus 105. So I can definitely deal with that a lot better than the minus 255 that they are on the straight money line. And even in the 60-minute line, I think it's juiced up too much. I'm going to take my chances that the Bees who have Patrice Bergeron back on that top line that they are going to be able to handle business and win it by multiple goals tonight against the Devils. So lay the puck line, minus 105 at DraftKings. Raise a Sam Adams. Do it for Boston. Number four. All right, let's go to the NBA. And the last time I faded uh, Giannis on an over-under .53s made, Lundy, I had egg on my face because he actually hit a three, and that was just a couple of days ago. But I am going to live in the land down under again and fade Giannis, though, at a different category in a pivotal matchup against the Brooklyn Nets there uh, in New York. And I'm going to take the under on Giannis, two and a half combined steals plus blocks. Uh, this one available at DraftKings at minus 130. So a little extra juicy, uh, but I'm willing to squeeze every last drop. Uh, he has been over this, so he's trending in the opposite direction in four straight games. But he has faced the Nets three times this season, has been under in two of three. Uh, the last time he went over, that was way back, I think the first game of the season in October, in which he had a triple figure uh, in steals and combined blocks. But it, it looks since March 1st, uh, Brooklyn middle of the pack and blocks per game allowed and steals per game allowed. But with Kyrie on the floor, handles the ball well, he's judicious, he's cautious, not going to be overly sloppy. Uh, and KD there, I don't see Giannis uh, getting to the three-figure here needed to cash the over, and that's why I am leaning under. So fade or follow, my man. On the Milwaukee Buck, uh, often doesn't give a you-know-what, but I am on the under two-and-a-half steals plus blocks, minus 130 at DraftKings. What do you say? Uh, I will follow on this one because I think uh, you bring up a good point about Kyrie. Like, you can look at the season averages for Brooklyn, 
And to a certain extent, when we're trying to figure out some player props here, especially in these next few games and, and going forward, now that Kyrie can actually play uh, in every I, I think some of these stats you got to take with a grain of salt. I mean, the fact that they've given up almost eight steals a game that they give up five blocks a game. Well, I, so many of those games were done without Kyrie. And to your point, he takes care of the ball. I mean, that's what he's supposed yep. to do. So I think that the numbers kind of I think it's skewed a little bit. So I'm going to follow. I'm going to take the under on Giannis with this one. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to this game tonight because obviously there's a lot of folks that think this has playoff preview written all over oh, yeah. it. So I want to see what it looks like, especially with Kyrie out there. Make some G's fade Giannis on steals and blocks. Number three. All right, Lundy, I'm coming at you right now from the United Center, and it's going to be a packed house and a lot of uh, tepidness, uh, a lot of uncertainty and anxiousness uh, in Chicago Bulls fan nation because this team, uh, a lot of the uh, local pundits, they are praying. Uh, They are sacrificing wings at the altar of the basketball gods to ensure that the Bulls will be fixed as the 5C critical 5 Five-game homestand gets underway tonight against the visiting L.A. Clippers. And I love the Bulls' first half line here at minus one and a half. Pull this one from FanDuel at minus 110. Yes, I understand that Paul George is back and it changes the entire dynamic of this Clippers team. But they have been dreadful, even with George back for a game uh, in first halves. Uh, They are dead last over the last month in first half net efficiency rating giving up an incredible 1.240 points per possession over that stretch uh, while only scoring 0.988. Now, the Bulls, a little bit better, uh, but they have underperformed a little bit in first halves as well here in the month of March, number 20, and that efficiency rating. But with so much on the line, we know how explosive the Chicago offense can be. And with the Clippers uh, playing a you know, really dreadful defense uh, overall. I think here in the end, uh, the Bulls minus one and a half will prevail here on this first half line. So Lundy, fade or follow, Chicago minus one and a half first half against the L.A. Clippers. What are your thoughts here? Oh, Brad, are you kidding? Follow all day long. If you, you just brought it up. Have you seen what the Clippers have been doing in the first half? It's absolutely dreadful. Um, <laughs> going, into, going into Tuesday's game against the Jazz at home, the Clippers had a minus 23, okay, over the course of their three previous games. Yep. Then they only managed to score 14 in the first <laughs> quarter against the Jazz. This team is awful in the first half, even if they figure it out, even if PG somehow can make an impact. I, God, the Clippers are awful in the first half. I think this is like an auto bet until I actually see them accomplish something in the first 24 minutes of a game. Yes, follow, follow, and then follow some more. I don't... Throw some extra cash on this one. I really like this bet. Yeah, break out the on Chicago. Stick around for my top plays in the NBA and the NIT final plus bonus time in the NHL and more NBA. Number two. All right, let's get back after it here, Lundy, and let's talk about another first half line. I've been very successful with these here of late, so let's keep riding that gravy train until it derails. Uh, The Utah Jazz laying eight 
over the first frame against the L.A. Lakers. The Jazz, of course, are at home. Uh, pulled this one from DraftKings at minus 110. We know that LeBron is out uh, resting. Uh, he's got a left ankle sprain. Anthony Davis uh, listed as doubtful uh, with the ankle. It's just a and walking infirmary right now. Uh, for this L.A. Lakers franchise. And uh, they have been woeful in their own right in first halves. Uh, it must be contagious in Los Angeles. We mentioned uh, the dregs, the keg that the Clippers are. Well, the Lakers aren't uh, that much further up the ladder. Number 25 in the month of March in first half net efficiency rating, giving up 1.244 points per possession on D. Look at Utah. They've been covering machines at home uh, over the full game line. They have covered in five straight home contests. And you look what they've done here in terms of net rating. Uh, they've not performed particularly well at first halves in the month of March, but many of those have been on the road. And again, uh, with that uh, vociferous uh, crowd behind them, I think they're going to feed off that energy and handle business. So fade or follow Utah minus eight first half line minus 110 at DraftKings against the L.A. Lakers. Well, now let's be honest. I just got done talking about what happened in the first half with the Clippers. Then, as we know, uh, the Jazz blew a 25-point lead and managed to lose. Uh, and their road trip was absolute hot garbage. Why? Because Utah is never the same team away from Salt Lake City. And this, is, and this has been a problem for them season after season after season. They always play better at home than they do on the road. I am expecting... A bounce back. I liked this number a lot better at like six and a half or seven. I don't know, Jim. Um, so to me, eight, a little bit on the on the pricey side. Oh, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, it's a little bit on the pricey side. I'm going to follow, but I'm going to do so uh, slightly nervous and probably with a tequila shot right before tip off. Well, uh, Moss Tequila, it is hashtag tequila Thursday. So by all means, I encourage uh, the love juice to flow and the points. They're going to pile up for our jazz straight out of the gate. Number one. All right, let's put a cherry on top of the Sunday here, Lundy, and let's talk about the National Invitational Tournament final inside one of the iconic arenas in American sports, Madison Square Garden in New York City. And I love the under on Texas A&M, 71.5 team total points at minus 120 at DraftKings. You look at the Xavier team. Uh, they have greatly exceeded all of my expectations. I consistently faded them in this NIT tournament, and I have consistently lost cash as a result. No more fading of the Xavier team because defensively they have been brilliant. Yeah, Travis Steele is out. Sean Miller is waiting to take over this team yet again. Uh, but you have an interim coach there roaming the sidelines, and they're even down Paul Scruggs, one of their leading scorers, and a guy who is a supreme defender, yet, uh, you know, Kunkel. And Nunji, they just continuously keep coming after you. Fremantle's play great as well. 0.957 points per possession allowed in the NIT. And they're scoring the ball at will inside, 59.2% on offense. They're going to have to limit the turnovers here uh, to keep this pace manageable. Uh, Xavier does like to play at a faster pace compared to A&M. But A&M is only shooting 21.1% in the NIT from distance, Lundy. Yikes, and they're number 73 among all tournament teams. That includes the College Basketball Classic, the CBI, the NCAA Tournament, and effective field goal percentage offense. So pull it all together. Defending interior, win that battle inside. 
minimize the turnovers, have a manageable pace in this game, and I see A&M not cracking 70 points. So fade or follow Texas A&M under 71.5 team total points, minus 120 against the X-Men, and Brutus time, Lundy, Brutus time. I also like Xavier plus 4.5. Oh, okay, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think A&M wins this game. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna lay the points on the 4.5. I think mm. the Aggies win. I think they're deeper. I think their bench is going to be the difference. They've got, um, Brad, if I'm not mistaken, it's either 10 or 11 dudes on the Aggies that average double-digit minutes. Yeah, they're um, a deep this team. Is a, they this are. This is a really deep team, and I think that gives them some fresh bodies out there, and I think this is going to be the matchup uh, that it finally gets the best of Xavier. I know you said uh, that it has not been uh, kind to you to fade the Musketeers up until now, but I think now is the time that you do it. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to lay the four and a half with A&M, but I do agree with you that it's. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, saw the stat that said over the course of the last 10 games, um, uh, A&M is up to, what, six or seven in the nation in defensive efficiency if you yes. take just the last yep. 10 games. Yep. So you're talking about a squad that has stepped it up, that kind of defense. Um, you know they're going to want to get into the paint. That's what they did against Washington State, and that's what proved to be effective for them to, to beat the Cougars. So I, I agree with you on the low scoring, but I'm actually going to lay the points in a little uh, a sprinkling early of bonus time. I like A&M, and I like A&M to cover. All right, well, let's get to the rest of bonus time here on this hashtag Tequila Thursday. Let's do a couple of shots, my man. What do you got? Uh, I got a couple things for you. We already took Boston on the puck line. We're going to do the same thing with Florida on the puck line. They are taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and uh, Chicago has also lost five out of their last seven. In their last two games, this is what sucks for Chicago. In their last two games, they were up four to nothing on Buffalo in the second period. They lost. Uh, they were up three to nothing in the third period to Vegas and lost in overtime. So Chicago uh, doesn't, like, even if they get a lead, they seem to not really know what to do with it. Kind of like me on television. Like, I don't really know what to do with my hands. That's basically what the Blackhawks are right now. So I'm going to take Florida at home, lay the puck line there. And then I promised you a four-legger that has a really nice payday for us. These are all four home teams, heavy favorites, all of them on the money line. Take Toronto, take Florida, take Carolina, take Boston. You put all four of those together, just money line, home-heavy favorites, plus 213. Oh, yeah, I love it, man. Get seduced by that juice. Great call there. All right, let's go back uh, to the NBA and another line that I really like. Uh, I will lay uh, the chalk with Atlanta minus three in the first half against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, I love these first half lines. You look at Atlanta here in the month of March, number seven and net efficiency in first frames. Uh, Cleveland, meanwhile, number 23. So they have stumbled out of the gates here. Uh, for the better part of the last three weeks. So I will take advantage of that. Though the Hawks are on a back-to-back, but they look great last night. Uh, really shifting into cruise control there on the road. I also like uh, KD, Kevin Durant, over 12.5 rebounds, plus assists uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks. He has been over this in five his last eight. Uh, and you look at Milwaukee, yes, they've allowed the eight fewest rebounds per game this month, but they've given up the six most assists per contest in the month of March. You know he's going to be feeding Kyrie pretty much all diggity day long. And last and certainly not least, uh, give me the under. Uh, This is like an auto bet for me on Alex Caruso, eight and a half points. He has been under this in nine of 11 games, yet the line doesn't move at all, Lundy. Uh, I know the Clippers are really generous defensively, but, you know, Caruso is a defensive specialist. He's going to get you maybe five, six, seven, eight points, but yar, Captain Hook. Uh, will be kind of us and not screw us over. So I think Caruso will be under that. Pull that one from DraftKings at minus 115. And that is a wrap 
on this edition of the Fade the Noise podcast. Please follow Lundy on Twitter at Nate Lundy. Follow me there at Noisy Huevos. Drop us a rating and a review if you enjoy this podcast. And as always, until next time, feed or follow. That is up to you. Feed the noise.